And welcome to Queers Did That, a queer history podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm your host, Katie, and I always get the name of our podcast correct. Okay. <laughs> that was a different take that is not included in this episode. So technically, it didn't happen. <laughs> yes, but now it did because I said it. So, Kate. Yes. Do you know what today's episode is about? Uh, I think you mentioned something about boycotts or something. Yeah, we're going to talk about some gay boycotts. So have you ever heard of Anita Bryant before I told you about her slightly before? No. So she was the Florida orange juice lady. Have you ever seen the clip of a lady like in the 70s getting pied in the face? I have actually, yes. That is her. Yes. And it's because of her work. Anita Bryant in 1977 became the spokesperson for the Florida Citrus Commission. She was a pop singer and former Miss Oklahoma contestant. I hope she didn't win, though. I don't actually know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not necessarily important to the story. I'm guessing she did well if like, she got hired as like a spokesperson. Yeah, all right. I don't know. Let's yeah. say she lost just because we can. Okay. That's, yeah. So, during this time, she founded an organization called Save Our Children, which you would think would be for saving children. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it was dedicated to repealing a Dade County ordinance that protected gay men and lesbians from discrimination in housing and employment. It's weird how that has to do with children. Yeah, like a lot of that, you know, jobs, the gays taking the jobs and the houses away from children. It's a serious epidemic that must not be <laughs> joked about. Gotcha. At the prospect of a boycott of Florida Orange Juice, they basically were like, maybe you should not do that. And also, it was kind of the, the idea of a boycott of her and the Orange Juice kind of drew a mixed reaction from the gay community, um, especially with lesbians, because they were like, well, she's a woman. We're going to be taking down a lady. That's bad. And yeah, I mean, that's obviously extremely problematic, but with any community and (laughs) any attempt to boycott or any like social justice action it no one's going to agree on everything right so others were afraid that bryant would be cast as the holy christian martyr you know for farm workers and you know if the boycott was successful it would be looked bad because the gays were hurting farm workers they were hurting poor white christian ladies like (laughs) when when will it end kate yeah when will the madness and so there was all this controversy about it but then the florida citrus commission kind of doubled down and backed bryant and her campaign mm-hmm. and then everyone was like oh no we should definitely boycott this we were wrong right we should do this so then san francisco activist harvey milk who was a columnist for the bay area reporter at the time called for support comparing the boycott to the Boston Tea Party. Alameda County Democratic Central Committee encouraged all Democrats to take part in the boycott, citing Brian's forces disregard for the separation of church and state. The publisher of The Advocate lent both editorial and considerable financial support to the boycott, and a lot of organizations responded because of it. The San Francisco Tavern Guild stopped using Florida Arnold's juice, the American Federation of Television and Radio Arts unanimously voted to deny their service and talents to Bryant. Hmm. So it was, in that sense, effective. But when put to a referendum, the county repealed the gay rights ordinance <laughs> by a large majority. Mm-hmm. But Harvey Milk stated the bright side of this was that the entire nation finally opened up and talked about 
gay people. Goldstein suggested she deserve a Gay Uni Award for bringing together <laughs> people for the fight for civil rights. <laughs> Brian's status as a controversial figure cost her professionally. Her sponsorship offer swindled, and she saw some 80 entertainment bookings canceled in a year. <laughs> so they reinstated the ordinance in 1998, so it took a little bit. So like And they years. tried to repeal it in 2002, which failed, which was great. So was it it was repealed in 1979 yes and then 1998 they reinstated it yes okay so it was a if it was a victory it was a slow victory and also the florida citrus commission in 1994 picked rush limbaugh as their spokesperson because that's what i think of when i think of orange juice i think of rush limbaugh yeah i mean maybe in 1994 we were six so maybe we just didn't understand i don't know i feel like <laughs> I feel like orange juice has a right-wing problem. Yes. <laughs> like, well, and also, like, really, that was one of the first times, especially in, like, a nationwide discussion, that the Christian right kind of, like, permeated its way into conservative right-wing politics mm -hmm. and kind of started to make its transformation from that, really, gay rights and the being against gay rights really was the door the door opened for conservative christians to infiltrate the united states political system thanks nia bryant yeah i wish you got more pies to the face yeah to like the pie to the face thing was that like some gay person like smashing yeah. a pie in her face yeah so she was doing an interview and it's like kind of like someone coming up and like punching Rich richard spencer in the face yeah yeah, yeah. It, it essentially like a the next boycott i want to talk about is the Coors brewing company boycott do you know anything about this um it's about beer yes you are correct <laughs> <laughs> so the Coors brewing company was really bad at unions and just labor rights in general in the 70s mm -hmm. by 1973 labor unions protested the company's antagonistic attitude they were soon joined by gay men and lesbians, African-Americans, uh, Latinos, and other minorities because of their discriminatory practices, of the fact that they started giving polygraph tests to potential employees, asking if they were gay or not, if they supported unions. <laughs> so people weren't fans mm -hmm. of that practice yeah it's not something you necessarily want to be doing by 1978 cores made minimal concessions of dropping the sexual orientation question mm. from the polygraph test still kept still kept the polygraph test but dropped the gay question well you know it had a slow slow change <laughs> so and they also announced a non-discrimination policy the boycott was still in progress in 1995 gave domestic partner benefits to gay and lesbian employees a perk already enjoyed by unmarried heterosexual couples mm. Coors became a major sponsor of denver's pride fest and pla started placing ads in the gay market including the advocate mary cheney lesbian daughter of then representative dick cheney was hired as a marketing representative to promote sales in the gay community they're like, oh, if we pretend to be nice, we will get some sweet, sweet gay money. Mm -hmm. They began contributing to LGBT causes and institutions like the Human Rights Campaign, Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, aka GLAD. Coors began gaining more customers, gay customers, especially in the Denver area. But the boycott remained strong in other areas of the country 
as Scott Coors, the openly gay son of the family, discovered that he attempted to buy a Coors beer in San Francisco in the late 1990s and was unable to do so. <laughs> the problem, though, like all companies like to do, is they like to talk out both sides of their mouth. So while they were donating to all these gay organizations, which is a good thing, they're also donating to very conservative organizations that were working actively against gay rights. You had Peter Kors enter the Colorado Republican primaries for United States Senate in 2004 and support a constitutional amendment against same-sex marriage, which obviously revived interest in the boycott, <laughs> to the point where the Kors Brewing Company, an ad, stated their opposition to supporting the amendment so they're like it's not us this time it's him <laughs> he has an aim but like it's not it's not us right so he lost yay Coors right-wing opponent in the republican party accused Coors of promoting homosexual causes and that's one of the reasons why he lost <laughs> wait okay yes <laughs> so the dude who was promoting a federal ban an amendment to the constitution to prevent gay marriage was also accused of supporting gays because core's company was like we're not gonna double down this time <laughs> you're on your own we're not we like this gay cash so you do your thing we'll do our thing so he lost yeah and apparently there's still places in like california that will not sell horse hmm. to this day so technically the boycott is still going on. Yeah, I mean I would I don't know if it was ever like declared finished since it was literally over twenty years. But yeah. there was also calls throughout that time to boycott Colorado as a state, Denver, mm -hmm. because that's where Coors was located. Coors and boycotts are a little harder to track. Yeah. But I don't think there was ever an official end to the Coors boycott. So don't drink their shitty beer, I guess. Yeah. So the third boycott I want to talk about is the Cracker Barrel. Do you know anything about this one? This is closer to our lifetime. I mean, just that they 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 can be pretty discriminatory. Yes. In 1991, Cracker Barrel in Lebanon, Tennessee, where they were headquartered, fired 11 gay and lesbian workers for violating a new policy banning. The employment of persons who, quote, whose sexual preferences fail to demonstrate normal heterosexual values, which have been the foundation of families in our society. So, obviously, people were mad about it, but it, it was also entirely legal at the time, so they could do whatever they want. But protests erupted. People, you know, were protesting outside of Cracker Barrels. They were boycotting it. The boycott was called by the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force. In the face of all this terrible publicity, they soon rescinded its policy, <laughs> banning the employment of homosexuals, but also didn't refuse... They also refused to hire the people... rehire the people that they fired. So, I mean, yay, but also bad. But also, if you were those people that were fired, I guess you probably wouldn't want to work there again yeah i mean i guess just extending the offer would have been nice yeah i mean gotta eat pay those bills yeah so hopefully they all got nicer jobs yeah you know there's years of protests after after them fixing the policy there was a lot of debates on shareholder resolutions about their policies and their discrimination practices 
And in 2002, the board voted unanimously to add sexual orientation to the company's non-discrimination policy. At that point, the boycott was officially ended, though obviously there's still a lot of gay people who don't like going to Cracker Barrel right. to this day. I don't really like going to Cracker Barrel. I've only been to Cracker Barrel like two times in my life. I used to go when I was younger because it was like on the way to things. Oh. But yeah. I, haven't, I don't think I've gone in probably over a decade. So that was, I would say, a moderately successful one. Yeah, I would. That's probably the most successful one that I'm going to be talking about because the last boycott I want to talk about is good old Chick-fil-A. Yay. I know you know about this more than yeah. the other ones. Yes. Chick-fil-A has a history, as you probably all well know, of being super discriminatory towards gay people, having people in their organization donate to hateful anti-gay groups. This has been going on for a very long time. I remember in college, like 2008-ish, you know, I remember them being super anti-gay and asked if I want to go on a Chick-fil-A run. I'm like, no, I'm cool. And people were like, why? And I was like, they're not gay friendly and they're like oh well you're just making us feel bad and i'm like okay well you asked but it more so came to light i think around 2012 mm-hmm. when the financial records of the president was like oh look at all this money they've given to anti-gay groups this really sucks so a bunch of boycotts and protests began which resulted in a large increase in revenue for chick-fil-a oh because you had a lot of people being like, I'm going to buy 10 sandwiches to screw over the gays because America. Right. You know, but there's still a lot of like, there's a lot of schools that won't have Chick-fil-A's on their campuses. Yeah. What was it? At? Was it the I know, a college in New Jersey? Rutgers. I just, Rutgers? Yeah. Rutgers just were like, nah, they're still trying to get in Canada. They're still trying to get Chick-fil-A in Toronto, but keeps getting blocked. So in that sense, they're like we don't people don't want to be associated with it, right? Especially like on the university level. And in that article talking about that, Chick Fil A was sad because they just didn't want to be seen as anti-gay. Mm. Isn't that so sad that yeah. they're being labeled this way? Yeah. Because they hate gay people and actively put their money towards it. Why would people call them anti-gay? <laughs> it makes no sense. Yes, but. I've ended my personal boycott ever since uh, marriage was legalized, so <laughs> we won, bitch. <laughs> yes. It feels a little bit less like winning now, but I, I just, I don't actively seek it out. No, I'm not going to turn down a sandwich, though, if somebody's going to give me one. Yes. <laughs> if it was already bought, I mean, that's just wasting food. Right. Also, it's delicious. I mean, the the chicken may be hateful, but it's it's delicious. Apparently, it's really not that hard to make. So we should just make Chick-fil-A sandwiches ourselves. I mean, you got to put pickles on it. I mean, I'll put pickles on it for you. <laughs> I don't like pickles. <laughs> so I would say that was probably, out before we were talking about the possibly least successful boycott, because Chick-fil-A ended up making a lot of money and no one really... There was really no consequence to them donating to anti-gay groups. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where people were made more aware of it. You know, everyone's like, oh, well, God, boy, God, chick I'm like, this is what I've been saying for years, people. Yeah. 
protesters, I'm sure. Yeah, those are the boycotts. We like boycotting things. I think it's hard with the size of our country to have successful nationwide boycotts because there's just too many people who aren't going to participate in it. Yeah. I mean, I think they serve other purposes besides financially, which, I mean, is the goal. So kind of, they all kind of seem like failures in that sense. Mm -hmm. But I do, mostly I feel bad for the poor, like, gay workers at Chick-fil-A who had to deal with people being like, I'm going to buy five sandwiches because I hate gay people. And then, like, the anti-Chick-fil-A people, like, yelling at them because they're terrible, but they're just trying to, like, get paid and eat food and survive. Yeah. So... I don't know. I think boycotts are important, but, you know, it's hard to define what a success is. Right. I think companies are too large and powerful to, I think now because of social media, it's easier to brand shame more so than, because mm. I think a lot of that was with Chick-fil-A was much more of like a social media output because they made all this money and they were like, oh, we're just, we're going to take that money back. Sorry. We're not right. going to do it again. Yeah. So there's no like financial incentive for them to do it, but because they were shamed on the internet. So would have Cracker Barrel or Coors been more successful if you had people like tweeting at Coors or tweeting at like Anita Bryant? I mean, probably. Yeah. But I mean, that's. We'll never know <laughs> because we're not going to go back in time and invent Twitter because that's a terrible idea. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. So, well, that's that's the episode. It's really good. I hope you learned things about boycotts. I did. You know, I didn't really know much about definitely the orange juice. That's weird. It is weird. I think it was interesting because I actually talked to a group of gay teens the other week. And I was mentioning something about the chorus, the chorus boycott and like orange juice and something we're going to be talking about in the next episode. And they had no idea what I was talking about. So this was kind of inspiration for that. So mm-hmm. thank you, teens, for that. Because <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. It's like you just don't, and I know this is the point of the podcast, but we don't learn these things. It's, it's stuff like that happened in 1991. Like the boycott for chorus ended in like early 2000s but we don't, we don't know about it right? because it's not important because it's gay history, so who cares? Right. So, well, after that soapbox, <laughs> if you have any comments or questions, you can email us at queersdidthat at gmail.com or tweet us at queersdidthat. Until next time, make gay history and make history gay. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to Gays Did That. What? Gays Did That. Queers.